Hello, and welcome back to A Geography of Colour, with me, Ruth Philo. This month, the painter that I'm speaking with is Rima Galoon. Rima's a contemporary American painter who lives and works in Los Angeles, California. She makes vibrant abstract paintings that have many layers, built up and sundered down to reveal their archaeologies. Earlier this year, Rima had her second solo show, Four is a Rainbow Line, at Ed Al, a gallery in San Francisco. The gallery described her work as being an index of colour, woven, translucent layers, singing with and through each other, spectral stratum, a chorus of colour. Rima's work is heartfelt, joyous, devotional, the paintings sing. She received her BFA in drawing and painting from California State University Long Beach in 2007 and her MFA from California College of the Arts in San Francisco in 2010. Rima has exhibited nationally and internationally and has been the recipient of multiple grants, including the Pollock Krasner Foundation Grant and the Joan Mitchell Foundation Grant. Rima's work has been reviewed in art forum Hyperallergic Carla, the Los Angeles Times and other publications. Rima is represented by Philip Martin Gallery in Los Angeles. I'm really pleased today to be here on Zoom with Rima Galoom, um, a painter who lives and works in Los Angeles. Um, thanks very much for joining me today. Hi, Ruth. Thanks for having me. Um, I've been really interested in your paintings for a while. I haven't seen any in the flesh yet, which I'm looking forward to um, next time you're showing in the UK. Your use of colour is really quite striking. So I wondered how your practice has developed and how the colour element has changed. I think colour is probably just the, the main focus of my work as a foundation of the work, I think. Color has always been just primary. And I think over the last few years, I've been trying to push full saturation, full spectrum in my like very polychromatic color. Um, so in that way, it's, it's shifted, but it's always been kind of something that is very interesting to me and um, kind of drives the work. You often work on a quite a big scale as well. So that's... Quite interesting. I work kind of small and large. Like uh, right now I'm working on a, a group of paintings that are 23 by 17 inches. And then um, the like the painting behind me, that's 82 by 72 inches. Um, and then before that, the largest I've actually worked was 102 by 72 inches. So pretty big. Yeah. So I, I do like playing for, I, I've always kind of liked the, the differences between small and large partially because of how it relates to the body small being more intimate and sort of micro and in relationship to the large paintings and more but both being physical in a different way the larger paintings being expansive and and oftentimes I mean they're easier for me to make um, the larger ones too even though I do love really small paintings. They're hard. They, they're, they're more of a challenge to have them feel similarly, but approach them in a different way. So, so do you work with the painting on the wall or flat on the floor? Or? I start on the floor. So I, I always start by pouring. Um, 
so I usually work in stages. Um, so what you're seeing now is it behind me is just the paintings are in their, their kind of final stages because the, um, they're leaned up against the wall. But the, for the first layers, I use acrylic gouache and I pour, um, I prop them up on blocks, the large paintings and the small ones. And they're very physical. I'm moving them around like with a like a watercolor almost. And I use different tools or methods of um, applying paint. So I use squeeze bottles, spray bottles, buckets, splatter paint with paint. I'm like, it's like action painting in my studio early on. And it's very fun, very messy. And I don't my I like actually to work kind of in a more clean environment once I'm actually working. But that part is really fast it's it's messy it's unconscious it's like um it's really a draw i feel like it's more of a drawing exercise in the way that i approach pouring um and i and like the drawing whatever that becomes and the color also is something that i'm thinking about but usually because i do a lot of layering with my paintings it's kind of like i'm thinking about them as a ground or a structure for the the second stage of the painting which is very slow and um built up with very very thin layers of oil paint yeah and i'm scumbling and glazing with oil paint and i'm um sanding in between every layer so those the second stage is propped on the wall with oil really kind of like this you know really slow and um and so it's like this contrast in kind of approaches too, which is also what I want in the painting is to create that kind of tension. Because you've got these kind of different depths, haven't you, of color with the glaze. Yeah, it's funny lately, like the last maybe few, two years or so, I've been spatially kind of reverting back to a kind of space that I did a lot when I was in undergrad, which was this kind of central focus space which it's it's very interesting because I kind of abandoned that for a very long time. Um, and I also just recently started working vertically again. I wasn't working vertically for a long time. I only exclusively worked vertically for like 10 years because it related to the body more specifically. And then I shifted horizontally and now I'm back, but. Um, Vertical does, is more has more of an insistence on portraiture, I suppose, or yeah, the body sta standing figure. You were referring to also the the differences within the painting, the spatial differences or the layering, right? Is that what yeah. you were mentioning? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I totally got off track. Yeah, so that that that's related. So I think what I'm trying to do with the painting is expose the process, really, um, um, kind of expose the process and put it in the foreground of the painting in parts of the surface, or expose it in parts of the painting, but then also kind of there's variations of time and layering within the painting too. Like there's a density um, in parts where there's more, there's more layering and sanding obviously, and it's more built, built up and more physical. And then in other parts, you can really see the pore and the ground of the surface. Um, and the edges are often kind of what um, is left on my palette every day. So I, whatever I have on, at the end of a session, I scrape off and put it on the on the edge as kind of a record of time, but also it's it kind of uh, reinforces the paintingness of the painting. And then it's also fun. It's like a silly 
I don't want the paintings to take themselves too seriously too. And so there's this kind yeah. of physicality on the edge, yeah. like a party on the edge of the painting. <laughs> Where there, so there's this push and pull with like, you know, there's with space, it actually pushes the painting back in terms of density too, because there's so much physicality on the edges as well. Oh, hold, so, holding it, I suppose. Yeah, it holds it. Yeah. And it's kind of it makes it temporal with that sense of, you know, the layering over time, um, as you're saying, like a history or a palimpsest of what's exactly. going on. Exactly. They're very geological and I, Palms Pets is definitely what they are. I mean, there's geological in my approach. Like I think about how crystals form or like my paintings form like that. Like I don't have a preconceived idea about anything when I'm painting. Um, I really want, there's just contrasts that I'm actually after within a painting, sort of like our experience. Yeah, so that's what I liken it to. It's sort of like, does it have these contrasting sensations or like, elements that push up against one another and they feel synergistic or um or they synthesize in areas or they kind of almost fall apart in other areas of the painting i'm really interested in how those things kind of interact with one another and they're subtle you know like those really subtle differences within a surface and color is what i'm really really um get I really get excited about and that's how I know it when something's done is if it's it's a feeling it's doing those things yeah. that make it feel like alive and so really all the all the development happens on the canvas you don't do anything separate or sketching no. or anything like that no it's all in it yeah. it's all on the canvas yeah so for a long time I used to make sculpture and I would make paintings and initially the sculptures were this a way to kind of loosen up. I'm not a sculptor, and it was a way of kind of generating ideas for paintings. Um, I like it first started with assemblage on the wall, and then that became sort of still life for me. And then I started making sculptures of found um, materials, and then that informed my paintings. And so I had this painting practice that was very generative for a long time where I would paint abstract paintings or I don't even necessarily call these abstract. I think they're still observational in a way, but they were in response. So I'd make paintings from my experience, which um, maybe I mentioned to you before that I used to have a walking practice. So I'd make paintings based on those walks. And then I would make paintings of the paintings. I'd make paintings of the sculptures. I would make still lives. I would make, so there was all this conversation yeah. about seeing. It was really about translation, I think. And, um, and then uh, I felt very tethered to that idea. Um, it felt too strategic in a way for me. I was trying to kind of find ways to make paintings with parameters, I guess. But it all was rooted in observation, you know, like I'm I'm a trained observational painter. What you know, I used to I used to paint from the model and paint plein air and all of that stuff, but I always was really interested in not having a reference. Like I was more an atmospheric painter. I would yeah. paint all the objects and they were small and I really loved the like environment that they were in or the people were really small and the so I'm like, take them all out. I don't, they're not necessary. Yeah. So no, you just got the environment now. So then I started making sculpture and was trying, I was making sculpture and painting in tandem, but trying to think about how the sculpture felt making it 
And then I would kind of think about not consciously, but when I would make the painting, like how do I kind of somehow translate that feeling? And then the painting and sculpture became two separate things. And now I've just abandoned the sculpture for now for, and I haven't made them for years, a few years, like three or four years, but um, now it's just the painting. Yeah, so you, it's really abstract now. And do you mm -hmm. find that the paintings talk, that you maybe instead of bouncing the painting off the sculpture, do you bounce the paintings off each other? Is that more what happens or? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, I've been trying to actually do that more in a, but also in an unconscious way. Um, I want them around. Mm -hmm. So for a long, so around to feed each other, but I, I've been trying to um, utilize a, which is an every color um, palette, which is like a full spectrum palette as a parameter. I know that sounds wild, but for a long time, I would have very specific palettes that were very limited, very neutral, monochromatic. And so now the parameter is having the full range of color within each painting and trying to connect them with some sort of drawn component. Like right now I have a lot of these kind of like, um, kind of transitions from warm to cool, um, either on a macro or a micro scale. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it is like how to use that as a language within the painting um, and to kind of have it sort of a vocabulary that expands and contracts and repeats within each painting. So. I'm not sure, because I'm not a serial painter. I can't make the same painting over and over again. I don't know how to do that. So I'm trying to, which is amazing when people do, I, I can't do it. So I, I'm trying to find a way to have the paintings overlap even more. So there's kind of a continuity, but they still feel like their own sort of experience. Yeah, so they're still individual, but got connections. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'd noticed that in your work that your some earlier ones did focus on color and maybe had more gesture in them, you know, more yeah. gesture, whereas now it's more as if the edges of the painting are pulling the shapes. I don't know. Slight, yeah, it's not a grid, but there's more of a sense of the horizontal and vertical if you if there's anything. I think so. And I think because when I think that previously, so when I was younger, a lot younger, my paintings were very much related to landscape specifically. And then when they became, I always feel like I'm an atmospheric painter. And if I were to put myself in a category and relate myself to one, to the figure or to landscape, it would be landscape. I've never really been interested as, as much in form. Although when I painted still life, and the sculpture it gave i thought of that them more as kind of monuments or like um like Mar the way that mirandi kind of painted landscapes out of his forms yeah so i think the form came out of the volume within the sculpture and i was really trying to play with that for a while and that now that i've abandoned it i think i'm just really interested in an atmosphere that kind of communicates a specific experience whether that's um yeah, or many within one yeah. painting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you're using acrylic and um, oils over the top 
does it finish with the oils or do you come back with anything else um i start with acrylic wash not acrylic just acrylic, okay. um, which which is i used to use acrylic too but i i really like the, the acrylic wash partially because of the way i mean it's obviously not gouache because it's water resistant the color is more matte opaque and the pigmentation is different it feels more like oil i start with that and then i only paint with oil after that so the preliminary layer is um with that where i'm pouring is only um it's maybe three or four layers of pour mm. and the rest of it is oil and i don't finish it with anything else and you sand down between all the layers every layer yeah so and it, i hand sand um in graduate school i felt i was using a lot more um like an electric sander but uh because i work on canvas it, you can overdo it really quickly. And what I really like about the process is that I want to really expose the history of the painting. So I want it to really be there, but not, I don't want it to be completely removed. With that, with hand sanding, you kind of get a patina, don't you? And you yeah. feel, I mean, when, sometimes you feel like an archaeologist because you know there are colors there and you kind you can kind of mine areas. Yeah, you mine areas exactly. And what I and it's so interesting because it gives it the hit. It's integral. Like the paint becomes integral to the surface. The history is embedded in the surface of the painting. So, to me, that's really interesting as just uh, an object or just like this kind of. Yeah, it just feels like it has a presence because of that. Um, and then also, I really. I'm really interested in sort of the tactile quality of a surface and I want my hand to be in the painting yeah. in that way too. And so I think that's part of it as well. Yeah. You said that you, you've taught quite a lot. So I wondered whether things like color theory play any part in your work or yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I don't, I taught a lot and I, I had an amazing um, teacher when I was an undergrad, Marie Thibault. She was the, uh, she was actually my mentor um, in color theory as a, as a teacher as well. But um, yeah. I think learning a lot of Albers and, and, and um, Munsell and Goethe and, you know, I, I mean, I really was immersed in it, but I also have an innate sense of color. I think color theory, I don't think about color theory. I actually at all. Yeah. Um, I think more about not necessarily harmony. I like discordance a lot too. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the combination of those things, but I, I definitely can. Um, I, de I think it's all there. And if I were to point to anything in color theory that I, I think that resonates the most is the simultaneous contrast um yeah. that albers teaches about and um yeah and ratio of color you know like the percentages of color that all of that is in my my mind but i don't bring it to the studio i don't look at anything but yeah. teaching it made me very obviously very proficient in a way that i could kind of communicate about color which maybe it was more um of an intuitive thing before that a bit like also um looking at other artists, isn't it? You know, that you have seen quite a lot of art. You ha you do know quite a lot of things like color theory, but actually when you're painting, all those things recede and it's just you and the, right. the canvas, isn't it? And the paint. 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah, exactly. Because I think I mean there are definitely strategies to make a good composition, you know, like with complementary contrast and all these things. But it's really how it feels, you know, and and sort of the weird things, the things that you can't explain that happen with color when you're layering color and you're putting a color next to another one, and it kind of just whether it makes the painting come alive in a zone or not you know i think that 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 it isn't something that you can actually um, predict are there any colors that you find difficult to use or do you feel that there it's an even spectrum um difficult i don't like this is going to sound earth tones like i like mixing all of my colors so out of the tube i don't really like um to to use kind of umbers and siennas and all of these colors um i do love venetian red but i don't i'll I'll mix a color like venetian red um i love all color i don't think that there's a, a a color that's too challenging i think i'm into synthetic color as a not a not synthetic as like you know acrylic but kind of making color feel synthetic you know, in a way, when they're not actually like that's something that I've been really interested in is how to make a color look like it's neon or um, because I do, you know, they have these neon oil paints and I've been talking to friends about this and they fade or they're just unpredictable to use. I tend to use those colors as a ground if I do use them um, more. Hmm. Um, but I do love them. I love neon colors. <laughs> and also in th- terms of color, Sometimes the tra- you know how translucent a color can be is just as oh, yeah. important as its hue in some ways. You know, because if it can go over something else, it can exactly you know, it has that power of altering things, like alizarin crimson or ultramarine blue or Prussian blue. Those are all really good yeah. colors for yeah to make black and um, certain whites. I avoid. I kind of avoid zinc white because it's slow drying. I like lead white. And I like titanium white a lot. Um, I like unbleached titanium a lot. That's a nice yeah. color. I love working with a lot of pinks and reds um, because w- the way that I paint, it's not like what you see is really the last, you know, in a painting are the last layers. They're so yeah. built up. They're built up more like, you know, Vermeer would with a glazed painting or like, a, you know, it's like that. It's optical painting or um, optical mixing. So it's really, yeah. It's re- that's what's so surprising about it. It's so fun. It's because it, you're figuring out how to layer color and mix with your eye, you know, and so that's yeah. Been- yeah. And I suppose they work at different distances. So what when you're far away from your paintings, it looks quite different to when you're moving close. Right. And even when you're they're photograph like photograph fine, but they're so different in person, like as yeah. I mean, it's an argument for painting. But that's what I love Monet so much. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite painters. Um, but for reasons I don't paint like Monet his his paintings are like reliefs. Um, but the way that they function from a distance and from up close, like they just dissolve up close and they congeal from a distance. I mean, not all of them, but like the Rouen Cathedral paintings, for example, or his late last paintings. I love those so much. You're working with the large scale. It is more dramatic, isn't it? The um, the distance to. Yeah. yeah, but that's something I've been trying to explore on a small scale 
um, where, but I want them to feel similar, but have a different approach. Because I've been, I've tried different ways to make small paintings um, feel like I've tried to use big brushes to make them, you know, you're the same size brushes as the paintings, you know, or, or the marks enlarging the marks or making them small so that they're comparable to the painting, you know, all these different ways. And I really want, I think the challenge is to make the small painting really feel like the large painting from a distance and from up close, but then I have, have that kind of, or have the same energy as the, as the large paintings anyway. And so yeah. that's, yeah. that's been a really, a real big challenge for me. And I was wondering, how do you know when they're done? what kind of effect do you want them to have on the viewer so that's a good question so when i think about so my i'm really interested in the paintings not expressing a feeling but they're not my feelings so i'm not like in front of the painting like you know I'm, uh, <laughs> i want them to do something but i don't know what that is until i feel it myself it's a lot about that those contrasts where there's a finish to the painting there's a textural quality to parts of the painting there's a luminosity from within but also on the surface if that makes sense like there's yeah. an internal light about them yeah they have a real presence and it's something felt i can't really explain it i don't know if you've ever painted a grisaille painting before you know that really traditional kind of painting yeah. where it's like a it's like a photograph it's like you know um like a faded photograph for a really long time and then finally all of a sudden it just like pops and it comes to life it's kind of like that where i don't know it's kind of like flat for a long time it feels flat and then all of a sudden all of those moves and the sanding and the layering and all that history and the color just kind of comes alive so it's not something i can predetermine i just know yeah when it's done yeah is that how you feel with your paintings i think so i'm thinking with yours that there's uh, a certain that energy and you could say it's a vibration maybe yeah and i think sometimes the analogy might be more with music you know that um a, a sound you know like one sound is against another or harsh sound or a you know an echoing sound um does exactly it's very, they're very synesthetic i'm a I, yeah i mean i'm definitely an undiagnosed synesthete but i i don't necessarily like colors and numbers my son does though he oh, associates really? he's three yeah, yeah. Oh. and he associates colors with numbers oh he's um already yeah. yeah um it's amazing he's a real numbers guy like really into math and building and color and um but i'm more i definitely associate some sound i can taste some colors um and which is really interesting um uh, and tell me, tell me a, a flavor of a color then it's not even it's like a usually it's not a, a pleasant taste so if i have that experience it's i'm like an hsp i'm like a very sensitive person so i think my senses are really heightened a lot of the time and so that has happened and not frequently but i can't even remember which color it was that I've had that feeling, but I definitely have tasted it. And it's also simultaneously been felt kind of in my gut. So it's been like a pungent kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but not a pleasant, just unpleasant. I like feel color really, really in my body. You know, I can really feel 
different colors. During the pandemic, I bought those um, colored glasses. And so my son and my his dad and I would wear them all the time just to because it really helps like to yeah, soothe, yeah. to kind of create a mood. We were talking about this briefly. You were talking yeah. about your project and it reminded me of the, that, too. But I definitely associate color with sound and with feeling. And oftentimes when I'm making a painting, I'm I'm driven by. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of chanting. Um, I go through different phases of what I listen to, but even when I don't listen to chanting, I listen to music, one song over and over on repeat, and it becomes kind of like a mantra. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like what the painting is about. It's sort of like whatever is driving me in that moment. It's like a, um, it kind of drives the, the overall feeling of the painting. So it's in a an, way, an energy, maybe. It's, your, it's an energy. It's an yeah. energy. I mean, I'm an energy work. I'm a Reiki practitioner, too. Oh, and a, yeah. 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 And I'm a, so it's all in the paintings. I give, um, it's definitely part of it. And, um, and after a painting is done, I often will associate it with either a sound, a song, uh, a time of day. You know, like there's specific things that I, I remember and it kind of triggers and that's how I kind of figure out what the painting is. I mean, colour is used for healing quite a bit, isn't it? And, oh, oh yeah. Coloured light. So you're talking about those glasses, you know. You yeah, see, and crystals yeah. are used yeah. in, in, totally. And when you're doing Reiki, when I um, oftentimes, I mean, I've had the experience of receiving it. I'm a meditation practitioner too, a long-time meditation practitioner. But oftentimes, I mean, you can't predict what's going to happen. But a lot of times, you, um, when you're receiving it, you can see colors. And when I'm giving Reiki, I've had this experience. Um, I haven't actually practiced it on others aside from myself and my son and my cat for a while, but I used to more. <laughs> and my paintings, I give my paintings Reiki. But I've had experiences of seeing colors with certain chakras, because well, you're in a, a state of meditation when you're practicing too. I've seen colors associated with the parts of the body that might need healing. So it just, it's instinctual. It's kind of like, and you can feel it energetically too you know, when things are kind of opening up. So there's a real connection to the to that and the work. Yeah, I was looking through your work online and um, you have some paintings that are really very vibrant and some that ha have got more darker veils, but, you know, you can see the colour coming through. I was wondering about the differences between those. Differences in approach or differences in overall feeling or my sentiments about them like yeah or any of those things really that um i was just interested how they come about i love a dark painting that has a lot of color i would like to kind of make paintings that can hum and kind of vibrate at different octaves and have them communicate with one another so i don't they just come out that way and usually the ground informs it. So like, you know, sometimes when I'm approaching the grounds, I'll paint a certain color. And then if it's fully prismatic, for example, or maybe it's very red, um, I'll look at the painting and, you know, I'll say, okay, that red painting really needs to be a dark painting. 
And so that's how it kind of starts. Cause when I'm like, when I look at the ground, it's never like, oh, that's a polychromatic ground. That's going to be a polychromatic painting. It's more, how is that? How are those colors going to speak to the colors on top of them, I guess? So yeah. I like the contrast. Oh, and I guess when I'm, when I show a, a body of work or a group of work, like my last show at Sergeant's Daughters, I had a, a really dark painting and the rest of them, the way that I thought about it was kind of like, states of being um in the last two shows that i've had actually the one called frequencies that was here in la yeah so i i i've thought of them as sort of taking each painting to a different point within sort of a spectrum and so um some of them and in the in the last show at sergeant's daughters there was a painting called evening chant oh, yeah. and it was a black painting it was like a dark painting um and that really and it was titled after after that but um after i made it but i thought of it as a spectrum there's a really light painting in the show too and that was called morning chant and so it kind of came full circle in within the kind of group of of works so i think about that too um and it happens organically but when i'm working on a show for example and i see them together that's how i envision it but I like painting. I love dark paintings. I love making dark paintings. And what I'm trying to do too is combine kind of the dark and the light within one painting. They seem to be able to kind of contain a stillness. You know, you Thank have you. on the edges, but they're very, I think all of your work's quite meditative or contemplative. I don't know what you think about that. But yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The dark ones, you know, that hold hold your gaze. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about, and I, I, I mentioned to you that, um, about this briefly, but I think a lot about um, like grief and pain and love and, um, and how to hold those things together, whether it's in a painting within and respectfully and like with stillness, you know, and, and silence, but and movement and so sometimes it happens more quietly in a painting and then sometimes it happens um brought more broadly and i guess what i've been trying to challenge myself on um, the last few years with using the full spectrum i mentioned that earlier as a way to use it so that it actually can be quiet it can have different octaves it doesn't have to be one kind of kind of frenetic what ecstatic yeah. kind of what you would imagine you know uh, uh like when you think about somebody like al held you know like those paintings are so vibrant and amazing they have a very different energy but like or when i when i think about polychrome i think about just maybe in general one feeling you know like mm -hmm. like it's joyful like it's a party but yeah. actually what i've been trying to do is use that in different ways um, to kind of sh show that kind of joy, but also those other sensations and that kind of layers of experience within a painting. Yeah, so that you've got the whole kind of gamma of emotions really, or the ability to um, paint and touch into those qualities, I suppose. Or Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very much related to my, I have a, I practice Vipassana, 
uh, which is like a form of meditation that focuses on sensations in the body. And um, it means it means to see things as they are. And it's it's that's the kind of practice. And actually, last year, I got my meditation teacher training certificate just um, as a way to ground myself back in a practice. It wasn't actually Vipassana. It was a different one. It was um, it was called primordial sound. And it it wasn't really a practice that fully resonated on at, like like that did. But I think that kind of um, reflection and folk. It's not even a focus because fo- so you're not trying to focus, but th- that kind of attention is what I want in in my life and in my body is what I want my paintings to have. It feels a very grounding thing. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I, I mean, I want to be grounded. <laughs> so <laughs> I think all of this has come kind of full circle. It's like I started, med- you know, I started that pre- my meditation practice when I was 23 and then um, I learned Vipassana in 2013 and, you know, I have, I had, you know, a lot of, um, you know, life challenges and a lot of loss in my life and the meditation and the Reiki and all the different kind of modalities that I've sought um, have kind of grounded me, but it also has influ- influenced my work in a way that it feels very holistic and I feel very it just is organic. And so I think there isn't really a separation in a way. I think that they're kind of the way that I want my paintings to be activated or the way I want to treat them is the way I want to treat my own body in a way. So the painting is an extension of yourself. It's totally an extension of myself. I know that um, life has been tough with um, your t- two of your sisters dying. Um, and I did see that uh, you did make paintings that reference them and that experience as well that must have been um a growing thing in able to be able to make a painting like that i think of those experiences um yeah yeah i mean thank you for um acknowledging that and yeah it 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 hasn't built my the loss of both my sisters has definitely influenced the work but when i did you know, that first show in San Francisco um, in 2018, after my sister Dina had passed away, that show, um, I already was planning that exhibition. And Mm -hmm. so the work, it was funny. It's like there's a, there was a premonition of what, an, an unconscious premonition of what was to come in the work and that happened before too earlier with my other sister and so when i was making the work and right after my sister had transitioned she i not she i continued to make work as a way of not knowing what else to do really Mm -hmm. i didn't know like so i just i was grateful that i had this deadline um of you know deadlines i had deadlines coming up you know Mm -hmm. and i said okay i can keep making the work so it ended up being about that yeah. But it wasn't something con- like it, it wasn't something that I sought out to do. And I don't know if I if I I would have wanted to do that in a way, but I'm so grateful that mm. I had an outlet, um, a way to process things that I couldn't verbalize. And so initially that first show, um, they were all really small, intimate paintings and there was a real soft and they were nonlinear kind of like the way I was experiencing 
time, you know, and prior to that too, it was a similar situation with my other sister in 2008, it drove my work. Um, and I, that's how I got interested in involuntary memory in the first place and, and, and how I kind of arrived at the processes that I, um, have ended up working with, but, but then thinking about it as if I had another show after that one in LA and it was called love is a feeling and it was about expansion. So it was like taking that, that kind of grief and trying to transform it into something beautiful, you know, and something relatable. Yeah. And, and so I think that gave me the opportunity to be vulnerable and connect people, you know, in a way that I, I'm, you know, I, I didn't know how to, um, you know, verbally or socially, or, you know, it was just such a hard time. And so yeah. to be able to do that. It's, very, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. And, um, some, I think that you, within that, the way that you use color, color is the, um, it's the connection, isn't it? Uh, you know, the scale and the color. Um, that's what fascinates me about abstract painting, really. You know, that if you spend long enough in front of it, you, you know, you begin to understand so much, but a lot of it is not verbal, um, difficult to explain. It's more about uh, it being a bodily experience. For sure, definitely. It's like, I mean, I I don't think, yeah, I think I would be a poet if I wasn't a painter and I'm not good with, you know, I'm not a wordsmith. So like, I think there's so much that can't be said, you know, I really do feel like what we're talking about, like grief, for example, or ecstasy or having a child, you know, I mean, I had a child and like that contrast of, you know, literally, you know, giving birth and experiencing the deepest pain that I could like that can't be verbalized. It just can't, you know, I can't, you know, so I think painting is such a great medium and color is so effective in communicating all of that emotion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did your paintings change when you, when you had your son? Yeah. They, yeah. Well, so my son, I had my son in September of 2019, just before the pandemic. Um, yeah. So I was drawing, I actually kind of developed this drawing practice just before the pandemic that kind of became a practice. I never had a real drawing practice. I would make drawings sort of like four things, you know, but I don't make preliminary drawings, but I, I started drawing, I made these small little index card drawings called night drawings. I would make at night after, like in between feedings. And then I started these ether drawings, um, which were ended up becoming a book actually, which was just published, which um, were produced by Nautical, which is amazing. But it was a series of drawings during the pandemic that I did every day next to my son's crib. I started doing a lot more optical mixing where I was just using acrylic gouache on paper and I had like 30 minutes to an hour at the most to make a, a drawing. I call them drawings. I'm using acrylic gouache, but the way that I um, approach them is much more like drawing. It's very immediate. And so I started doing, I was like, how can I make a drawing that feels like my paintings, but it's really made really fast and kind of, can kind of mark time in a way and they would have you know they were dated and stuff and so i started painting 
using a lot more brush um, mark making to do that. And I would sand them. I'd go outside, I'd run outside on my balcony and sand them and then come back inside. <laughs> it's still the same process as your paintings in a way. They did, yeah, but fast. But that yeah. went into the painting. So then all of a sudden during the, so the pandemic, initially the first time I went back to the studio, so I was doing those at home. And right before the pandemic happened or the lockdown happened, I started making a lot of yellow paintings. So everything was yellow, except for one. There was one really prismatic small painting that I, um, that I made that was called Light Behind Your Eye. And that was the first painting that I made right after my son was born. I made another really prismatic painting right after my sister Dina died, a big one, like um, after my show. And so I think that color, the, the full spectrum came in right after the pan, the lockdown uh, when I got to my studio because I was doing a lot of paint drawings with a lot of color. And I just felt like, I felt like color was therapeutic at the time. Like I needed those somber neutrals or the monochromatic kind of, you know, paintings that I was used to making before weren't suited for the moment. It, I felt like there needed to be like, I felt like my life was falling apart like everyone else, you know, yeah. I had a baby, I was sleeping, I couldn't leave my house, you know, mixed, like, there's just all these things. But we were collectively experiencing these things. And I think the full spectrum happened then. And another reason, I started going to my studio at night during the pandemic. I don't think I could really see my painting. So I think I started yeah. painting with really vibrant, pure saturated color. Yeah. Because I couldn't see. <laughs> so I think that was part of it. You're saying that, yes, you kind of tapped into all that color in a similar way as well. And it was more vibrant because it was in the dark. Yeah, it was harder for me to go back to kind of the more neutralized color after that. And also living with my son. So now, you know, I'm a single mom. I moved out into a house with my son. And we have, I have like a, the, the down, the, it's a, it's a two story house, but the downstairs is like one open room it's an open floor plan and so it's like a playroom basically mm -hmm. for my so it's very colorful and we're always playing with he has like a rainbow mat huge mat and we're always playing with colorful magnet tiles and everything is like full prismatic color <laughs> so i i feel like that's part of it too i don't i don't know how to articulate it beyond that that's but i it's around me all the time and so i think that's part of the work I did see a painter last week and she was saying she'd got things in her studio and what she she would find they got into her paintings, like an orange object, you know, <laughs> the orange in the painting. So maybe these things kind of do. They seep in. Yeah. yeah, they do. And right now my son and I, my son is really into rainbow lines. Um, like that's kind of his thing. Like yesterday he wanted to paint his nails rainbow and wanted to dye his hair rainbow. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so we're living this kind of real parallel, like we're sharing a brain or something. <laughs> it's amazing. So I feel like there's this connection. He can be getting all that from your paintings. From me. He could be getting it from yeah. me. And we don't yeah. know. I know yeah. I'm having a show in San Francisco that opens um, on March 4th. And the last one that I had yeah. was actually after my sister Dina died. And so I'm bringing it. So I got pregnant just after that show. Oh, and yeah. so I'm bringing, I'm talking about that and like this kind of connection to my son and kind of bringing the color back in because that yeah. show was such a, it was so 
so much more about mourning and this is so much more about kind of being present and life you know it sounds like joy as well and joy yeah and joy so it's been great to see all the shows that you've been having do you, oh, are you thank going, you. Are you going to be coming over to the UK anytime? I am. Well, I have a show. I'm in a really great group show at Timor Grain that's going to be it's on abstraction. Do you know the gallery? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be um, in July. Um, oh, cool. It's yeah. like five, it's six paintings, I think. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I'm thinking about coming out. So I'm going to try to see if I can. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you very much, Rima. Um, yeah, and I look forward to seeing your paintings in the flesh. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. So great to meet you. Thank you, and you. I'd like to thank Rima for such a fascinating and moving insight into her relationship with colour. I'd also like to thank Stuart Bowditch for editing the podcast. Arts Council England for supporting it through a Develop Your Creative Practice grant, and Contemporary British Painting, an artist-led organisation that I'm a member of, for helping to publicise it. Thank you for listening. A Geography of Colour is a monthly podcast with a new painter each month, talking with them about their relationship with colour. Do follow it in your podcast player and share it with your friends. You can also follow A Geography of Colour on Instagram and Rima Galoom on Instagram at Rima Galoom Studio.